All right, Brother Beckham, why don't you start making your way up here. By the way, great morning. Thank you for all of your effort, <clears throat> being faithful to so many new people and your friendliness to them, and we appreciate that. Brother Beckham was with us, of course, on Thursday, and his schedule was available um, to be with us tonight, and it was a tremendous message on prayer on uh, Thursday night, and we're looking forward to the message tonight. And uh, you can introduce your wife again if you'd like, and then we all also let them know about your book table when you're done. But we're so glad to have him back with us tonight. Let's give him a warm Pacific Baptist welcome. We'll always say to the preacher, preacher, I love you. We need to love our preacher, don't we? And the preacher needs to love the church, too. And I know he does. Well, it's good to be here tonight, and and I was looking looking forward to coming back. I was here last Sunday night, then Thursday night, and, and um, back tonight. I feel right, right at home. Amen? Amen. I want you to do something uh, to help me tonight. Uh, I think the ushers have some index cards, and they have a pen. And I would like for you to do this for me, would you? I would like for you... On that card, I want you to write down as many people as you know that may not be in church, they may not be saved, and just write their name down on that card. As many as you can think of, write them down on that card. And in about 10 minutes, we'll, we'll take those cards up and I will use those cards in the message tonight. So I'll be talking to you a little bit as, as you do that for me. One lady said to me years ago, she got up and walked out to church. And she said, Brother Beckham, we don't know who's lost and who's saved. Well, sometimes people will just tell you. And if... If you, if you have any idea that some of your friends, loved ones, acquaintances are lost, just put their name down, and um, we'll take those cards up. Okay, right now, just start writing. Would you do that? All right. I'll tell you a story while you're doing that. I was in Pennsylvania three or four years ago, and uh, I went there for a week's meeting, ended up being there seven weeks, and, um, and we, we took up cards. Church was running about 600. We took up over 5,000 names in that church, and um, all those six weeks, we scattered them over the altar. And um, children, teenagers, mom and dad, grandmas, grandpas, all came down to the altar every night and prayed over those names. After I left, they still prayed over those names. And as far as I know, they are still praying over, their, over those names. And um, in about a year's time, there was 52 families, not people, but families, joined that church. Now, that's wonderful, 
but always have to report this too. The devil jumped right on top of them because he doesn't like to see people get saved. He doesn't like to see the church intercede for people to get saved and get right with God. So uh, that's a wonderful story, wonderful story, and I could tell you many, many more. So I, I'm not keeping time. Preacher, have you, um, let's take about five more minutes. Just write down as many names. Now, when you get done, would you do this for me? Would you put the total on your card? Count them up, put your total on the card. That way the ushers can just add them up real quickly and bring them to me. We'll just wait about five more minutes, okay? I hope you're in. I hope you're uh, helping me out with this. This is a vital, vital part of the service. When you get done, would you raise your hand, kind of give me an idea of how many is done, okay? Not too many of you are done, so may have to take a little more time. I have seen as many as a hundred names on one card. I have seen as least as one or two on a card. So, all right. About two more minutes. Because I have about a five-hour sermon to preach. And so we don't want to take a lot of time with this. Right. If the ushers will gather those cards up, make sure you count them and put the number on your card. And again, if you ushers will add those up and put the total number on a blank card and put that card on top of all the cards and bring them to me. Sometimes I'll go into a church and they'll tell me that there is no more prospects. Brother Begum, we have knocked every door in the city more than once and we are just running out of prospects. And I'll do this with the cards. 
The church in Pennsylvania had not doors in the city for years. And a well-known church in fundamentalism. And um, the pastor said to me, we have ran out of prospects. But after we did the names, we took up over 5,000 names. And, it, and they got serious about those names. And they went after those people like you would go into a burning house to get the people out of it. And that's the way they did. They went after those folks as if they were, were going to die that day. And many of them, many of them got saved. Okay, they are counting the names. In a few moments, Brother Beckham will bring a message to you on the subject of intercessory prayer for the lost. Been doing this for 55 years. Been doing the prayer ministry for 21 years. And I find a lot of people doing a lot of things in churches, but they're not doing, they're not praying. They're not, they go, they, they're going door knocking and doing all those things. And that's wonderful. But we need to pray for those people. And I'm going to prove all this to you in the next 20, 30 minutes. As they are finishing up in the back, I wrote, I wrote a, a little make-believe story. I was sitting in my study one day, and I, this story came to me, and I just wrote it down. There was an elderly lady by the name of Mrs. Jones, one weekend, she was keeping her, her uh, two children, two grandchildren, an infant and a two-year-old. She put them to bed, and as she put them to bed, she walked down the hallway and, and went to bed herself. But something woke her up, and as she woke up and walked down the hallway, she smelt smoke. And she ran into the bedroom where the children were and she grabbed them up and ran out of the, to the staircase. And as she got to the staircase, she realized the fire was coming that way. They were trapped, completely trapped. She began to look out the window and um, there was no help. But a neighbor had looked out his window and saw the fire coming out of the roof of the house. And he called the fire engine, fire station, and they sent a truck out there to help her. As they pulled up, she was tapping on the glass. And she was mouthing, help, help, tapping on the glass. 
the captain jumped off the engine and, and began to give orders to the firemen. Hurry up, men. Hurry up. Hurry up. Put up the ladder. There she is up there. Get the hose. Make sure. Come on now. Come on. Come on. We have to get her out. We're losing her. Come on, guys. Get serious. There was a man coming home from church. And he pulled up in his yard. He heard the he heard the orders. He he saw the urgency and and he was thinking, what's going on? Is Mrs. Jones in that house? Yes, she's up there. See her. We 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 almost to her. Well, you know what he did? He waved at her. Just came home from church. He just waved at her. By this time, the older child is on the floor, more likely dead. The man walked into his kitchen, got him some cookies, got him some ice cream. He sat down in his easy chair. He turned on the TV, and, um, but he could still hear the captain say, Hurry up, guys, hurry up. We got to get her out of the house. He turned off his TV, walked down the hallway, went to bed. The next morning, as he opened the newspaper, he saw headlines, house fire claims the life of an elderly lady and her two grandchildren. Can you imagine how he felt? You may say, no real Christian would ever do that. I agree. Everyone in that neighborhood that knew about the fire would be trying to help Mrs. Jones to get out of that house and those children. It would not matter how tired they were or how busy they were. It wouldn't matter. They would even put their own life in danger to get them out. But you know, we can call this man all kinds of names. We can say he wasn't no Christian. A real Christian wouldn't do that. And I believe that. But you know, think about it with us, with me, just for a few moments. As Christians, how many hundreds and thousands of people each day that we walk by? Not knowing when they might die. We just walk by them. Not a track, not a word comes out of our mouth. We show no concern. I wonder, I wonder I 
I just wonder how many people in 55 years of preaching that I have walked by and never handed them a track. I wonder. I wonder how many people that you have walked by and showed no concern at all. Now, let me give you the number. This is not cold turkey soul winning. This is not knocking on home on doors that we don't know the people. These are your friends, your family. Maybe some of your immediate family is on those cards. And with this group of people, we have 2,408 names. People that you know, people that you love, people that you would want to reach. But she said, Brother Beckham, why should we? Would you consider with me the prayer that our Savior prayed in the high priestly prayer? If you really want to do a Bible study on intercessory prayer, read John 17. That is the high priestly prayer. That is the Lord's prayer, the real Lord's prayer. It's not in Matthew, but in John. And I want you to turn with me in John 17 and verse 20 with me. Intercessory prayer is taught all through the Bible. We see Abraham, we see Moses, we see Jeremiah. We see these great patriarchs in the Bible praying and interceding. I tell churches all the time that the intercessory prayer is the greatest tool we have. Someone said, Brother Beckham, we are going to lose our rights in America. We won't be able to go door to door soul winning anymore. Uh, it's already uh, gated areas, it's already been closed to us, and we can't do this and we can't do that. But let me tell you something I can go into any country I want to. I can go into any home I want to. How do I do that with intercessory prayer? It's a great tool. And I have used it many times to go into places where they didn't really want me to go to and they shut the door, but I had prayed for the people behind the door and they walked the aisles and got got saved and joined the church, and some of them are missionaries today, some of them are preachers today, some of them are just good Christians today, and it was not necessarily door knocking, and it was not necessarily what we call soul winning as we go into someone's home, uh, but it was Brother Beckham just kneeling upon my knees and praying on their behalf. 
Look in John 17 in verse 20. The Bible says, now here is Jesus praying, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. The words which shall believe refers to the lost people. So we see Christ praying for the souls of the lost world. It makes sense because the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look in Isaiah 53 and verse 12. The Bible plainly says again, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors and bared the sin of many. Because of the sin of Adam, all men died, the whole human race. And Christ died for all men, all colors. He died for everybody. Amen. I am so thankful for that. But you know what he did? He made intercession for the transgressors. The Bible says so. He prayed for them. He didn't just go to the cross of Calvary and die. But he, he interceded and he is still interceding on our behalf even today. The Bible says he ever liveth to pray or intercede for us. Look in Luke 23 verse 34. In the way of intercession, hanging on the cross of Calvary, we hear our Savior praying for those that are putting him to death. Listen to what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, they don't, they don't know what they are doing. Would you forgive them? Matthew Henry said that this prayer, this prayer was the language of his blood, crying not for vengeance, but for mercy. And we too should pray. Like in Romans 8, 34, look at this verse with me. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Look in Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I have quoted it twice or three times already tonight. As a Christian, can Brother Beckham ask you a question? As a Christian, have you ever prayed for the lost? Have you ever got down upon your knees and, and agonized for the souls of, of lost people? Just like our story 
people standing there in that yard knowing that Mrs. Jones and those babies are, are, are going to die, they're going to burn, they, there's not a dry eye in the, in the yard. Everybody is crying because Mrs. Jones is dying and the babies are already dead and we can't get to them. And here the people are not a dry eye. But when I, when I go into local churches, I see a lot of dry eyes. I see a lot of people that hasn't even thought about interceding for the lost. We do everything else, but we don't pray. Let me ask you this. As a Christian, are you praying for the lost? Very convicting, isn't it? We are commanded, as, as, as we are commanded to, to be consecrated and sanctified and all those things as Christians, we are also commanded in the Bible to intercede, to pray for the lost. Number two, consider with me Paul's words in 1 Timothy 2.11. The second reason why we should pray for the lost is that the word of God exhorts us to. Would you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11? The Bible says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, I didn't write it. Intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. I exhort. The word means to entreat, to employ, to beseech. I have, I have the opportunity to preach in all the Bible colleges around the country and out of the country. And... Um, the first people I want to talk to when I go on the campus of these colleges always ask, who is your Greek teacher? Can I, can I see him? Can I talk to him? Because I was told by a good independent Baptist preacher, I call him good, <laughs> being nice. But he said to me, Brother Beckham, first of all, it's not significant. I stood back because I didn't want the lightning to hit me. And I said, what do you mean? He and I was brought up together. A great, a, he was a great preacher. He was my pastor at one time. And I said, what do you mean that first of all is not significant. If we have a Bible with insignificant words, we might as well throw it away and burn it. But I got news for you. There is no insignificant words in this Bible. And so first of all, according to the authorities, and, 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 and I challenge you, if you're here tonight and you are a Greek student, Look it up when you get home. It means, simply means preeminence. 
Now, I have trouble with this. I really do. I have trouble with the Bible telling me that prayer is first of all, that prayer is preeminence, and then we treat it as if it's the last thing or hardest thing that we have to do in the Christian walk. You know what you are saying when you say, uh, the hardest thing I have to do as a Christian is my prayer life. Do you know what you're saying? And I hear it all the time. I hear it in all my meetings. I hear it from preachers. I hear it from deacons. I hear it from Sunday school teachers, bus workers, soul winners. I hear it from all classes of people. You know what you're saying when you say that, that the hardest thing in your Christian walk is to pray? You're saying the hardest thing in my Christian walk is to talk to God. Wow. Church, let me tell you, we're not seeing revival in, the, in this country, and it's simply because we are not doing the first thing. We need to get back to the first thing. We need to get back to the preeminence. What is that? It's not just intercessory prayer, but it's supplication. It's prayers, intercession, giving of thanks. It's all of those things. The famous Baptist preacher John Bunyan wrote, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Pretty good statement, isn't it? Victor Maxwell said, that supplication is very much of a human aspect of prayer. It reflects who we are. This word suggests the petitioner is poor and needy, and out of that sense of need, uh, we come to ask of God, the great benefactor, and our heavenly Father. And then, uh, then there's that word intercessions. Oh, it's taught. It is being taught. Brother Benny, you need to put uh, these all of these forms of prayer, they should be preeminence in your life. I love you. But I'm just telling you the truth, amen. I wrote in my notes last night, I said we have put soul-winning missions, Bible study, and other activity first in our lives. And please understand that the things listed above are taught in the Word of God, and they are very important, but they should not come first. What is prayer? What is prayer? Let me make it simple. What is prayer? Prayer is a relationship between you and God. It's not a bunch of words. It's not muttering a bunch of words. It's not kneeling on your knee. It's not posture at all. What is it? It is a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And if you don't have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, you're not going to be much of a soul winner. I'm not going to be much of an evangelist. 
The only way I can have the unction of the Holy Spirit in my life is to have a relationship with the Father. And if I have a relationship with the Father, I will want to talk to Him. Can I ask you, how much time did you spend this week in prayer? Can I ask you, how much time have you spent with God today? In prayer, that will let you know how spiritual you are. It depends on our relationship with him that will show how spiritual we are. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, uh-oh, in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. And yes, as Christians, we can rejoice in our salvation. But my dear friends and sisters, there are millions that are not rejoicing today. They are lost. They are going to hell. They're going into the place that, that the Bible says with gnashing of teeth where the worm dieth not. And that's where they are heading. But we can help them by praying for them. I have over a hundred and something books on, on soul winning. And in most of them, I looked desperately to find, pray before you go. Bathe the people in prayer before you ever go after them. Out of a hundred books, I doubt I have three or four that even mentions prayer. That's sad. Listen to 1 Timothy 2, 4. The Bible says, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Adam Clark, commentary says, because he wills the salvation of all men, therefore he wills that all men should pray, be prayed for. Does that make sense? Because he wills the salvation of all men, therefore he wills that all men should be prayed for. Thirdly, why should we pray for the lost? It's because they're in a snare. Would you look in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25 and 26? We have 2,408 people in a snare. Again, they are your friends, they are your family. There they are in a snare. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26. We have these words in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God preventer will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by his will. 
Pastor, do you like the hunt? Not really. Would you turn into a hunter just for this service? Okay, you'll be, you'll be a hunter, a deer hunter, whitetail deer hunter, okay, in the state of Georgia, okay? All right, so I get in trouble doing this sometimes uh, uh, because I don't know any of you, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, sir, uh, are you a member here? Okay, and uh, you like to hunt? Let's say you do. Let's say you love it. Amen? Okay? All right. This is going to be good. White-tailed deer hunting. There's nothing like it unless you go turkey hunting. Oh, that turkey hunting. That's wonderful. Okay, let me get back to the intercessory prayer. Here they are in a snare. Lost people in a snare. They need help. So you and I, we're going to get up at 4 o'clock. We're going to go. I've been watching this deer for months. And he's going to come out about 5 o'clock or 6. But we're going to have to be in the woods by 5. Okay? So here we are walking in the woods. And then you said, Brother Beckham, there's something in that bush groaning. What bush? That bush right there. Are you sure? Sure enough, there's somebody groaning. Georgia people are crazy. You just stand there and let me go and look in the bush, okay? Because I don't want you, I don't want you to have a bad experience, okay? Just stand right there. Well, I walked over to the bush, and guess who is in the bush? In a bear trap, in a snare. Our dear pastor friend. And he's in the snare of groaning and a moaning. And I knelt down by him, and I said, Preacher, what in the world are you doing well, Brother Beckham, I thought I would get out here before you and my brother and, then, and, um, and, and shoot our deer. No, no, uh, but I got, Brother Beckham, my foot is killing me. I'm in a snare. Would you help me? And I said, well, preacher, I got five minutes to get to the stand. I love you. But uh, I tell you what, I got some beans and crackers in my bag, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to put my coat behind your head, and you just lay here. And if we don't shoot the deer, if we do shoot the deer, we won't be back until tomorrow to get you, okay? Here he is moaning and a groaning. And you would say, after it got out, that Brother Beckham left your pastor in the snare. I gave him water. I gave him cookies. I gave him everything I could give him. But I didn't give him my time. I didn't give him the right kind of attention. But you know, 
How many people we walk by every day again that are in a snare? 2,408 people in a snare. What are we going to do with these? Just, what are we going to do with these? All, all kind of names. I, Bill and Molly, Justin, Edwin, all these names. Hmm. Are these important? Are these names important? If they not, I was going to bring a trash can in to, to you know, just throw them in the trash can. I mean, if you if you haven't prayed for them and you're not going to pray for them, we might as well just take the whole 2,408 and just throw them in a trash can and just forget it, you know? I mean, if they're not important. I remember 25, 20 years ago, right at it, Pastor, I was doing this. And um, in the first card... I called off a man's name. And I was going to throw it in the trash can. And a guy stood up. And he said, Brother Beckham, I love you. But don't you throw that card in that trash can. That's, that's my loved one. And I said to him, I said, sir, what are you going to do then? Have you prayed for him? He said, not like I should. And he started crying, and he started coming down the aisle. And he grabbed that card away from me. And he started praying. So I took the cards, and I kind of just scattered them around on the altar and I um, I just scattered them around And as I was passing the cards out, I said, who is it that is so concerned that you may want to come and just find you a card or take two or three cards and just pray on them? There's no better time than tonight uh, to, to get serious about the 
doctrine of intercessory prayer. So there they are. By the time I got done, there were a handful of little girls, seven, eight-year-old girls. They walked down the aisle, Pastor, and they put their head and face right in the center of these cards. And they started praying. Little girls. Every night for seven, six, seven weeks, they were down at the altar praying. Then the teenagers started coming, praying over the names. The pastor wouldn't take them off the, off the altar. He said, we're going to leave them there. And when one of them gets saved, he said, we're going we're gonna to put a mark on it or put it, put it in a box and say, these are saved from the prayer cards. Does it work, Brother Beckham? It works. It works. Is it biblical? It's biblical. I was in a well-known, soul-winning church a year or two ago. Pastor asked me, would you... Would you meet with our, our soul winners and would you, would you uh, send them out for me? I said, I'd be glad to. So I met with the soul winners that night. There was a room full. And something inside of me was just burning in my heart. And I just asked a simple question. I literally sat down and I said, you soul winners, I see that you got prospect cards. Have you prayed over them? Have you prayed over them? If you prayed over them, raise your hand. Not a hand. I said, I'll tell you what you need to do. Just go on home. I'll talk to the pastor. I'll let him, I'll let him know that I told you to go home. Get along with God somewhere when you get home and pray. He said, wow, Brother Beckham, that's pretty harsh. No, it's not. We need to be prepared. We need to be, we need to be doing what God tells us to do before we go. So if it was necessary for Jesus to pray for the lost, and Paul said, my heart desire that Israel may be saved, he prayed that. So, this simple, this simple stuff. It's so simple, it's complicated, Pastor. But there they are. 
2,400 and something names. There they are. Your family, your friends, your acquaintances. Let's go back to Mrs. Jones's story. You would do everything in your power to get her out of the burning house. I know you would. Are we going to just count this up as a as some kind of sermon and um, and forget them? Because God led Brother Beckham to ask you to do that. Now we know that there's two thousand four hundred something names of of people that this church knows that are in a snare. They're in a burning house as such. And, you know, some of them could die tonight. Some of them could die tomorrow. We don't know. What are we going to do with them? What are you going to do with them, church? You know what we need to do? We need to intercede on their behalf. I'm going to leave it there. And you do what you feel led to do. You may want to come and just get, get you a card or so and just pray. But everybody here that names the name of Christ should have enough love in them to want to intercede for these 2,405 or six, I can't remember. So as I pray and as we all stand, you may want to come and pray and intercede for these people. My Father, I, I thank you for the message. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit that was here. And Lord, I pray as the church comes and intercedes for all these people, Lord, that we will hear of many of them, maybe all of them, getting born again, joining the church, getting baptized, growing, maturing. God help us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, that's right. All over. Thank you. done praying, would you leave the card, please, here on the altar? Because we're going to take them up. They do them all kind of different ways. I've seen them put them in
put them in a little book for every member to have a book to intercede over. I seen them put all these names in a fishbowl. Preacher in a big old fishbowl. And when they got saved, they put a red card in there. And it was amazing. Take your time. I love to watch children pray. I just love it. Teenagers, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. See, we can't save them, but our Father can. That's the reason why we need to ask him to do the saving. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, church, for allowing Brother Beckham to come into your family and to preach to you for two services. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me have that honor. And it really is an honor. So do not forget these 2,400 names. And um, and like I said, they have been put, some preachers put some in little books. Some of them type them all up and give each family just uh, four or five sheets of names. And um, But the little book, I like the little book. You can just put it right in your Bible and just take it wherever you go. And every day. Pray for those names. And don't be surprised if your attendance don't go up. And the baptism, you have to keep watering it all the time. Because people are getting saved all the time. Why? Because people are being interceding. God, people are interceding to God on their behalf. All right.
Thank you. Go buy the book table if you would like to. I don't say much about it, but um, there's some good material out there. I think that will help you. God bless you. Love you.